0: It's time for your weekly fix of wrestling nostalgia. When we look at wrestling's past eras, from the Attitude Era... ...to the reality era. I'd like to think that maybe this company will be better after Vince McMahon's dead, but the fact is, it's it's going to get taken over by his idiotic daughter and his doofus son-in-law and the rest of his stupid family. To today... Here on the WWE Podcast.
1: Alright everybody, welcome to the show. This is the one and only WWE Podcast. Unofficially, of course. Gotta worry about the legal stuff. We are not affiliated with WWE, but that's what's great about us. We do not affiliate ourselves with WWE. We have zero connection. Uh, or tied to WWE itself and that's what makes it great. Why you ask? We can say whatever we want. We are not state-run radio like uh you know After Bell after the bell with Corey Graves who does a great job, but I mean it, it's really hard to take a podcast serious with wrestlers that you're interviewing when everyone that's talking is employed by the company that's your you, that you're using as a platform for your show. So That's not what this show is. This show is a fan show. It's a fan-friendly show. It is a podcast by a fan for fans. It's not a podcast driven by state-run radio. So uh, this is a show that you can come to whenever you're feeling down. Whenever you are maybe frustrated with the product or frustrated with whatever's going on, this is a show that you can rely on to always be there. We will continue to be here regardless of whatever insanity goes on in the world this show will continue as long as I have an internet connection and by God as Moss would say if that goes out um <laughs> if, the, if the internet connection di- if my internet connection dies well then you know, maybe I'll just record from my phone and if the cell towers die uh, then we have a problem but in those two very unlikely events this show will continue to be here regardless of what happens in the world around you this is a show that is passionate about wrestling. It's not your typical big, uh, big wig pro wrestling uh, type of podcast. We all know who those are, and they do great jobs, but this is not what we are. We don't try to pretend to be one of those. We call things like we see them. We're easy to listen to, at least I think so. We don't dive so deep that you get lost in the rabbit hole and you lose interest in the topic. We try to keep things relevant. As scatterbrained as my brain may be, and it is at times, and I know it comes across on this show, we try to keep things easy, straightforward, fun to listen to. So hopefully that's what this is. Hopefully it is. And Lord knows we need it today, right? Lord knows that we need some type of distraction from the monotony that will be our new norm for the foreseeable future. Uh, many of us have now been directed to work from home, so we are just sheltered, hunkered down in our homes, um, and we feel like the storm's coming. Right? It feels as if we're just waiting for something to happen, but in reality, it's an invisible, um, it, it's an invisible force that we're we're at war with. It, it's it's a very weird feeling. I described this at length a little bit yesterday, so I won't repeat myself. But um, it, it's not getting any weird, less weird. And I know that we're only on day. Well, since I've been home from work, this is only my second day that I've actually been um, just told to stay home. And I know that some of the projections out there are scary in terms of number of people that can get infected and how long this is go- could go. I actually saw a projection today that said that uh, one of the White House officials was looking at a projection uh, that could run this run this out for another 18 months. Yeah, I didn't stutter. Uh, I'm not trying this is not doom and gloom and I don't believe it'll last that long I think be totally honest I mean I've listened to some other shows that obviously not wrestling related that are um, very credible very big name podcasts and they have had top doctors top White House advisors as guests on their shows and they believe that it actually will probably peak sometime in um, early May uh, and we could be back to somewhat normalcy by late May early June. And even there, that seems like a long freaking way away, doesn't it? I mean, that's three months away. That's a quarter of a year. And boy, it's going to be... Just think about this, though. I mean, as, as much insanity as this is, and this is a once-in-a-generation event, it really is. This is a once-in-a-generation event Um, that how awesome is it going to be when things return to normal? How how awesome is it going to see to see... Uh, to, to see baseball on TV at the same time, the NBA finals are going on the same time, the NHL file, finals are going on and football is just around the corner for those sports fans out there. You could have well, like four major sports colliding at once. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. So try to think about that. Um, n- nobody truly knows the real timeline. Nobody's ever been through this before. So anything you hear is just conjecture it's, I mean, from the doom and gloom of 18 months to some people think it's going to be gone in two weeks. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. So the, the fact is, it will eventually be gone and it will be contained and we'll go back to our daily lives. And that's what we need to focus on because it will come back. Our lives will come back. Sports will all come back in and in a tidal wave of sports will come back. Um, WWE, more, most importantly, WWE events with live audiences will come back. And I I think I speak for every fan that has watched the empty arena events including AEW which is is broadcasting Dynamite right now with no uh no fans in attendance that we can't wait for fans to come back in the building. And I'm sure both AEW and WWE feel the same about the fans. So it's it's kind of a uh i think a in a way kind of a backwards way but um a way to make the fans appreciate wwe and aew and aew and wwe to appreciate the fans more um distance makes the heart go fonder whether it's a one on one relationship or in a mass uh in a mass example like this where millions of fans um miss wwe and wwe misses the fans i think this could actually help in the long run um to really bring the fans and and wwe closer together and and aew Uh, and I, i mean i mean that in a way that is appreciative um in a way that makes you feel like you don't take anything for granted because everything's been turned so upside down and inside out in the blink of an eye, everything is shut down. Restaurants, bars, bowling alleys, shopping malls. You're not working at work anymore. There's not many cars on the road. Uh, everything you turn on is is in relate relation to the virus. So it, it, it's it's just become insane. So this is our, as I said yesterday, hopefully your escape, hopefully your way to uh to to get away. And let's talk about some wrestling nostalgia. How about that? Let's not drone on because as I talk about it then it's not really an escape, is it? So I'm kind of backpedaling, but I I guess I just talk about it because it's a little bit therapeutic for me and selfish. I know that. But it's also, I think, good for people to hear about what they're thinking about up front and then get to something that is an escape from that because it addresses what your mind is most concerned about. And I would say 99% of Americans right now, that's the first thing on their minds. And then you get right into, oh, yeah, that's right. There's a world outside of this coronavirus news feed, this endless news cycle. Um, And and let me tell you, the numbers are scary. Yeah, they're scary. Certainly. Even in the United States, it's starting to uh, grow pretty quick. So um, let's let's get into wrestling nostalgia because that's what we're here for. And today, we've got a a, – personally, one of my favorite moments. And while I know many may not view this as one of their favorite moments – especially in terms of match quality. many I mean, I don't know anybody that would put this on their top 20, top 30, top 40, even a top 50 list of their favorite matches. So you're probably thinking, well, why the hell did you include this? Why did you make this an an episode then? Well, a couple reasons. Number one, I was in live attendance. That certainly helps. And back in 2000, on March 20th, 2000, or I'm sorry, October 20th, 2000, which is when this took place, I was uh, a huge Stone Cold fan, as many people were. Stone Cold was still riding high. Um, It was still in the heart of the Attitude Era. Things were rocking in WWE. Stone Cold had been out for eight months with neck surgery, and we got to see Stone Cold return. So that's point two, is that it was... The return of Stone Cold in a match. An actual, his first, I guess, quote, match back against Rikishi, who was revealed to be the assailant. If you all remember, it was Rikishi saying, famously, I did it for The Rock. I did it for the people. And I remember The Rock actually mocking Rikishi for saying that Um so we'll get to some audio too on that, and, and I'll pull up that that statement. And when he it was revealed that Rikishi was the assailant, and then we'll get to the uh, so, some of the audio from the match. So yes, I was in live attendance. Number one, number two, it was Stone Cold's return after eight months of in an in official capacity anyway, and I guess an official match. Um, and and being in October of two thousand, my God, I was um, how old was I? Fifteen. Good Lord, Good Lord. Every time I do these nostalgias, I just think back to. 2000, what was I doing? Well, we all survived Y2K. That was a thing, remember that? Uh, And being 15 years old, I was a sophomore in high school. And uh, 15 years old, I had... I think I had a girlfriend at the time. or um, I'll I'll leave out names, but uh, being a, a sophomore in high school, being a wrestling fan at that time was actually somewhat socially acceptable because you're still in the Attitude Era. When wrestling and ratings were cool and or ratings were high and wrestling was deemed still cool, uh, it wasn't uh, how it's viewed today. But still, in, in high school, you have people who still look at this stuff. Ah, it's fake stuff, right? I mean, it's just it's high school. I mean, it's everything's magnified in high school. Everything you do, everything you say, everything you watch is magnified and dissected. Um, but wrestling, I mean, most when I mean, you again when you find friends that have wrestling and and they love it too, you know, you just instantly bond. And I found a couple of friends that that did that. And so um, when you find those people, it's fun to discuss it and see what's going to happen. I remember bringing VHS tapes in and giving them to one of my buddies who uh, didn't have cable. So I would record raw on a VHS. Um, and if those of you have, who are listening to this don't know what a VHS is, Google it. You're probably going to look at it and go, huh? What's this? What's that big tape thing? Yeah, well, um, that's what I did. And I'd even try to cut out the commercials for them if I was you know, feeling up to it on uh, the USA Network, and uh, you know, I'd give it to him Tuesday morning. So anyway, that's th- kind of a flash into my 15-year-old when, oh, by the way, I actually, I think I had in sophomore year. Remember when guys were um, dyeing their hair tips blonde? Like they would spike their hair, and they would also have blonde tips. Yeah, that was me. I was one of those guys when it was cool. I don't know if NSYNC brought it in. I don't know where it actually originated. It was just one of those fads that was in for a while. And I joined the bandwagon. And that was actually back when I had hair. I didn't have to shave it. So I didn't, you know, trust me, guys. If I didn't shave my head now, it would look ridiculous. It would look like I have a bowl on my head. I mean, like, it, it would be terrible. So, um, I. I mean, I, I just remember doing that back when I had a full, thick head of hair. I had a ton of hair, and um, so I, sh- I blonde, uh, put blonde tips on my hair, and it, it was just ridiculous. I remember paying like $60, 70 bucks for it, something stupid. Um, and so that that was really my life at fifteen. And that wrestling, um, PlayStation Two, SOCOM Two. Remember that game, SOCOM Two? God, I love that. Um, WWE. Well, no, no, sorry, it was still WWF. WWF, uh, SmackDown, Know Your Role, eventually shut your mouth. And then it went to just, or I'm sorry, I went to Here Comes the Pain, which was one of the deemed one of the best of all time. And then it went to the SmackDown vs. Raw series. Uh, so I remember all of that very vividly. And uh, so th- that's just kind of setting the table for my own personal, where was I? On top of that, getting to this match with Rikishi, the day that I went to No Mercy... I actually started at uh, a, a food chain up here called Hannaford, and I ended up staying there for almost eight years. That was the very first day I started there. My really my big boy job, making five seventy five an hour. I said that right, five dollars and seventy five cents an hour was the minimum wage. It, I mean, I, I can't even. That, that's not even like worth someone paying me that amount of money to do whatever I want to do, like sit on a beach for five seventy five an hour. I mean, that's just pitiful. I mean, let me do let me do the math on that, right? Like, if I was going to work, and I and I actually did not work forty hours. I mean, let's be honest. I, like I told you guys before, if I got more than twenty hours, twenty five hours a week, I was pissed. People are like, "Oh, I want hours, I want hours." I'm like, "Why? Why?" Right? It was just something I had to do because my parents told me I needed to get a job. Um, so let's say forty hours times five seventy five, and you're all like, "Oh my god, get to the wrestling," and I will. But I'm just. Uh, uh, going through things in my head. $230 a week. If I if I worked 40 hours um and that's not with taxes. With taxes you're probably looking at like 170, 180, right? 180 bucks a week. That's just downright uh I mean that that's that's like poor town, right? That is seriously. I mean, I don't <laughs> It's just crazy five seventy five an hour, and I was probably working twenty hours, so cut that in half, and that's how much I was making a week. Um, so th- that's that's just where my life was at fifteen years old, still kind of still kind of nervous around girls, all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, maybe I'll share some more personal stuff on a different feed, other than this. I mean, I I would love to get into other things at fifteen, but that's not what the show's about. The show's about the wrestling nostalgia with Stone Cold versus Rikishi. And again, I I attended this in person at the then, I think it was still the Pepsi Arena. Originally, it it went from the Knickerbocker Arena to the Pepsi Arena to the now Times Union Center in downtown Albany. And, And if you call it Albany, I know immediately you're not from here. I don't know how. I mean, I just don't. Some people, even from inside New York who don't live near Albany, call it Albany. I, I don't know. It's Albany, right? Um, so it's, uh, it's right in the heart of downtown Albany and, uh, they've renovated it now. It, it's, it's a very nice facility. Now they've really done a good job and invested a lot of money into it. And, um, so I remember it back when it was the Pepsi arena and I actually won these tickets at the great escape, which was affiliated under six flags at the time up in uh, Lake George, New York in a contest with my, with my brother, Uh, for these tickets in front of a couple hundred people. And and there was a local radio station here, fly 92 that was offering these tickets to anybody who could compete in this contest and get the biggest crowd reaction to win the tickets to the pay per view. That's how I ended up getting these because otherwise they probably would have cost me like, you know, over a hundred bucks a piece. Um, So having won these tickets, I, you know, kind of won over my parents to go because it was basically a free ride. I mean, what are they going to say against that other than just transportation at 15 years old? So I, I and mean, when you may ask, what did you do to win the tickets? Well, my brother and I, uh, I was able to do the worm. I, I, I still do the worm I, I, at 35 years old. I still, especially when I get a few drinks of me at a wedding, more than a few drinks, I'll do it <laughs> just it's something I just, your body never forgets how to do. So on top of the worm, I, I mean, we kind of imitated too cool with Scotty, too hottie and uh grandmaster Sexay with Rikishi. We kind of imitated what they did. In addition, we hit a couple of stunners. And back in 2000, hitting a stunner, everyone knew what it was. Everybody knew what the stunner was, so that kind of got the crowd popped pretty good. And we ended up winning the tickets. And I actually, I think what really did it was giving uh, uh, my brother the stink face on stage. I I had my pants on, but it uh, was still very uncomfortable. So how about that for a small personal story that I won the tickets here. So we get to the Pepsi Arena, and um, I, I remember being jacked for this because huge stone cold fan and still am and it was an electric environment people all night were just waiting and waiting and waiting for stone cold i mean it was it was a i remember the energy in the building and i had been to a couple of raws at uh, the pepsi arena uh, you know before that this pay-per-view actually came through um, and I think actually the last pay per view at Albany was the New Year's Revolution 2006. So it's been 14 years since there's been a WWE pay per view in Albany. Um, but hey, I know it doesn't come around too often. So anyway, I get to the arena, and I don't even remember who I brought. It might have been my brother. Might have been I, I, I would think. You know that, that'd be the price you pay for a stink face. But he wasn't a big wrestling fan. Didn't like wrestling. Other than like the occasional, it was just kind of fun to see people get stunned, but didn't really watch anything outside of the biggest of big moments, right? Um, but we we get to the arena again, people chanting Austin all night, waiting and waiting. We knew what the story was, and uh, before I get to the match itself, though, I want to give you the card so I can give you the platform of and the idea of who else was on uh, on this pay per view. So the first match of the card was Dudley Boys. And uh, they eliminated Right to Censor in a in a Dudley Boys Invitational Tables Match. The APA and Lita versus TNA Alberton and Test and Trish Stratus ended in a no contest. It was a mixed tag team match. In a steel cage match, Chris Jericho defeated X Pac by escaping the cage. Right to Censor defeated Billy Gunn in China. And then on fifth, we had Rikishi and Stone Cold. In a no holds barred match. Really surprised that it didn't end the show, but uh, I, I guess the championship match was uh, was definitely a a reason to make that the last match. William Regal defeated Naked Midian. Los Conquistadors defeated the Hardy Boys. Triple H defeated Chris Benoit, and then for the final match of the night, the ninth match, Kurt Angle with Stephanie McMahon defeated The Rock. In a no DQ match for the WWF Championship, and a quick note on that, um, I I do remember that match actually pretty damn well, and the reason I remember it is because that was, I believe, the first time or maybe the second time that The Rock gave Stephanie a rock bottom. It might have been the first time that The Rock, because The Rock, she cost him the championship. She slapped him. And then The Rock gave her a rock bottom, and the crowd absolutely lost their minds, and myself included. So back when, you know, it was actually okay for men to retaliate against women in WWE, I mean, yes, we saw with Edge and Beth Phoenix, but on a larger scale, we we saw it in the Attitude Era, people pop. I mean, it was a roar. I remember that. Obviously, with Kurt Angle winning his first WWF championship in Albany, that was a huge moment as well. I, I mean, I... Kurt Angle has noted several times that, you know, Albany, New York, I mean, he's mentioned it in countless promos about, uh, you know, that he'll always remember this place as being the place that he won his first championship. So it was a, a big night. And with Stone Cold and Rikishi. Now, as you guys know, I mean, one of the, this is, this storyline isn't exactly, you know, digging deep into WWF history, uh, but it, it was one of the biggest stories of the, the WWE, uh, History, the WWE Attitude Era, WWF Attitude Era, I should say. Uh, so, yeah, Stone Cold got run over at Survivor Series in 99, and he was backstage, a black car tried to, or, or did run him down, and Austin was out for with neck surgery for eight months, and people were waiting and wondering. He didn't come back until September of 2000, and obviously when you come back, you got a built-in storyline of who did this. And... Uh, you know, many people thought it was Triple H, The Rock. Maybe it was Vince himself. Uh, you know, There were a long list of people that Austin went through. He went through many, many people, just stunning people for no reason, uh, pissed off. People want to know who did it. And this is how you do a whodunit, right? This is not the Eric Rowan, Roman Reigns, terrible execution of a whodunit back in the summer of uh, 2019. This is how you deliver a whodunit. And yes, people were maybe disappointed that it was Rikishi, and it was probably underwhelming that it was Rikishi rather than Triple H, per se. And I would argue, even though Triple H was revealed to be the assailant or or assist in giving Rikishi the keys to the the car to run him down, which he was revealed to do, I, I mean, I would argue him and Triple H had a better program, even though he wasn't the one that actually drove the vehicle. So... In order to set up this match, let me guys let me just give you guys a little bit of uh, audio here from Rikishi when we finally find out that he was the assailant. I did it. What? Damn it. Look at the
2: rock. Oh I In case you didn't hear, I admit I did it. I ran over Austin. It's a good thing the criminal charges were dropped. And you ask why? Damn right. I didn't do it for me. No, I didn't do it for me. I did it for The Rock. You see, Rock, I took your keys out of your bag that night when I went to go check into the hotel. And when I jumped into the car, I saw Stone Cold Steve Austin standing in the middle of the parking lot all alone. And suddenly, everything flashed right through my eyes this is surreal jr you see the wwf has always been all about the great white hope what great white hope what do you mean by that and i'm talking about such people as buddy rogers people like bruno Martino people like Bob Backlund, people like Hulk Hogan. And now, people like Stone Cold Steve Austin. You see, the WWF has always let the island boys in but we were always held back held back What's he now listen to me rock and i really want you to listen to me and i'm talking about people like your grandfather a well-respected man high chief peter myville could have became a wwf champion but no, they held him back.
1: Wow. So uh, I'll stop it there. I don't want to make too long of a clip here. But I had forgotten until I listened to that just now. Number one, that uh, Triple H didn't get the keys, as, as Rikichi said. I, I have it in my mind. But Triple H was, take. he took part in that uh, assistance of running over Austin in some way because it led to a no way out 2001 match with Triple H and Three Stages of Hell, which I believe I did a wrestling nostalgia in last year. But it's one of my favorite programs of all time. And uh, maybe I'll do a second review on that. Uh, one of the best programs I've ever seen in wrestling. The way they built it. The tension. They couldn't touch each other. Triple H was was threatened with a six-month suspension. Austin was threatened with never getting a shot at the championship again. Uh, Austin stunned Stephanie. Then Triple H broke JR's arm. I mean, it was brilliantly laid out and I love the actual blow off of the match. But um, m- again, maybe I'll do another program separately on that, but listening to Rikishi, I never really took into consideration or, or thought about the racial part of this, the racial ch- racially charged reason why Rikishi did what he did. I mean, I, 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 I know that he said he did it for the rock, but because what their cousins or whatever, Right, I mean, he did it for the Rock, and that's all I remember. I don't remember hearing that, or if I did, it wasn't something that I uh, stuck. It didn't stick with me. I didn't hang on to that. Uh, I just hung on to I want to see Austin beat the holy hell out of this guy. That's what I hung on to. Uh, so hearing that now, hearing that at 35 years old, it's a little more striking um, f- from a, from a couple of different from a couple of different uh, perspectives number one, that they actually would put that on air because the problem is there's a little bit of truth to that in WWE. And maybe they were okay with that, but WWE as a whole has had a problem with color. And I don't mean that from a outward, transparent, uh, very vocal type of way, but kind of a a, a subdued, subtle, behind-the-scenes way. you know, um, and, and with Rock being... A WWF champion as a person of color, the first black champion or whatever, you know, with Rikishi saying he did that to protect The Rock because basically you're, you're one of you're one of my boys. It's not the Great White Hope, as Rikishi framed it. I don't remember that phrase. I don't remember that. You guys remember that? Just imagine something like that in 2020. It would get people. It would blow people up. People's heads would explode. So here, again, hearing this right now, I mean, it, it just, I don't remember that. The great white hope. Wow. Uh, wow, 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 wow. And th- like I said, the thing is, though, that there's not, it's not like this is based in no fact. And, you know, to date, Vince McMahon has not done a great job dealing with minorities. He just hasn't. He just hasn't. And do I think Vince McMahon is racist? No. Right. I i, I don't believe he's racist. Uh, but I, I just think th- there's a history of WWE for one reason or another, and I'm not involved in the company, and I'm not accusing them any, of anything, but it just doesn't look good from the outside. The way that he has portrayed certain minorities. In in, in like I mean, look at the Mexicos. You remember the Mexicos coming out on John Deere? The John Deere mowers? I remember that. I remember Crime Time. Remember Crime Time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there, there's examples of, of Vince McMahon not not uh, presenting minorities in a very favorable light and playing on stereotypes. So, uh, yeah, this is a bit startling that the, this was actually based in race and, and to protect The Rock as a uh, minority champion. So, getting into more to the meat of the match. So, he admits that he did it. I was a bit surprised. I was a bit disappointed because I was like, oh, oh, Rikishi. He's kind of a mid-card guy. He's fun. He's, you know, he's got two cool. He's got Grandmaster Sexay and Scotty Too Hotty. Fun guy, mid-card, but really, main event? I mean, it pushed him to the next level, and I'm all for making the new stars, but it was just, at that time, you're you're used to a certain subset of of guys that are supposed to be at the top, and it was just, it was a little bit striking. Um but i was willing to give it a chance and so it built up to this match with austin coming out and well let's just uh let's just take a listen so we're, we'll pause it right there uh, Austin comes out in a fist of fury drives his truck into the arena and uh, just starts beating the holy hell out of Rikishi uh, great energy to start it uh, having him come out with the truck that already had the sledgehammer holes in it I believe from Smackdown when Rikishi attacked his truck with a sledgehammer it was a good way to start. The crowd obviously loved it. I mean, being in the arena, it's so much louder sometimes than when it comes out at home, or when you know, like on, on uh, as I'm listening to it back. I remember it being so much louder, and uh, it just it just told you how over Stone Cold was. I know that I do a lot of nostalgia with Austin, but Austin is and was the hottest burning star of all time, hotter than Hogan. I mean Hogan certainly burned longer. I've made this statement before. Hogan burned longer. The Rock burned longer. John Cena burned longer. Hell Brock Lesnar still burning. But nobody nobody nobody's burned hotter than Stone Cold. So Austin didn't have the longevity, but he had the intensity. It was a it was the biggest tidal wave of all time. But it didn't last as long as some others. So um, I hope that makes sense to some, to some of you guys out there. But So, again, being in attendance. And, and for the majority of this match, I, I remember that they stayed on the outside of the ring. This match only lasted nine minutes in a no contest. And we'll get to some more audio in a minute, too. But this uh, this was... I, I enjoyed the match from this perspective. It was Austin's first match back. And that was cool to see. Drove the truck in the arena. We've seen that before, but it's still cool to see. Uh, and then he comes out and you want to see Rikishi, I mean, literally die in front of your eyes. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you just do because you're, you're so angry at Rikishi. And uh, Austin uses his truck as a weapon. But as I said, this match, well, let's continue to, to listen to how, how this match evolved. And I'll give you a little bit of disappointment in this match. And I'll tell you why. In just a minute, I know that I made this one of. I'm doing a whole damn wrestling nostalgia on it, and this is probably why most people wouldn't put it in their top ten, because of the, well, just kind of senseless brutality of it, and not a whole lot of, uh, whole lot of wrestling moves, as you would say. So I don't think this would stand up today. But take a listen to a little bit more of the match here.
0: Rikishi is trying to get away from the Rattles thing. Oh, he'd love to be anywhere except this Pepsi arena right now, I can assure you that. Rikishi is changing right hands. Oh, he's, going to, he's going to try to go up to the top. Pounding! Oh, Rikishi threw something, saw prank or something in Austin's face. And a hard right hand by rakishi Maybe it was beer. A man that... That ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin about 11 months ago. Uh, it couldn't have been beer. It could have been beer. That's like spinach to Popeye. Get up! Don't Cold. Don't go knock to the
1: concrete. Oh. So they continue to fight through the crowd, and Austin ends up choking him. And, and just honestly, I mean, it was a pretty lopsided match for a guy that you're trying to build as the next star. It was a fairly lopsided match. Uh, for the, for Austin and, and to some respect it should be because this is your returning biggest star in the company and, uh, you want to make it a huge impact. You want Austin to come back with a fist of fire. So let's take a little bit more audio uh, and then we'll wrap it up here.
0: there oh, a oh. head bouncing off our table. Oh, are in a
1: dangerous spot here. Alright, so I'm gonna pause it there too. Um I mean it was just continuing to use objects outside the ring. Austin using a bull rope to basically try to choke out Rikishi. Man, just think about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, Daniel Bryan gets fired for using uh Justin Roberts' tie to choke him when he was part of the Nexus during their debut in 2011. And, uh, you know, Austin basically was trying to hang Rikishi and, you know, Noam Bats and I. Uh, same with The Undertaker hanging Big Boss Man off of Hell in a Cell. Uh, I don't know if it was WrestleMania 16. Don't, don't quote me. But it was, I may mean, remember that visual. Literally hanging Boss Man. It, like, no joke. So, it's just amazing how things change. But, uh, so Austin continues to beat the holy hell out of Rikishi. And we move this thing a little bit into leather, another level of brutality. But the only thing I didn't like about this match, I, I guess, obviously, from uh, you know an in-ring perspective, there wasn't any in-ring. That's the problem I had. You know, you, you come to see, I came to see Stone Cold, and, and really, through that, right, The Rock. I mean, The Rock, and obviously, we got, a, we got a rock bottom on Stephanie. I loved that. But the thing is, we didn't get a whole lot of actual in-ring. I know it's supposed to be a street fight. The other thing is, I mean, on the outside, well, if you're fighting on the outside, it doesn't give the viewers in the the arena a great perspective. You want the action in the ring for the most part. And they, you know, Austin outside, outside of stepping in the ring a couple of times, we didn't get that. And we also didn't get the biggest move that I wanted to see, the stunner. Austin didn't even hit the stunner on Rikishi. That's a damn crime. He, I mean, basically, he bludgeoned him half to death, but didn't hit the stunner. That was, that really, that's the one sticking point to me outside of anything. The biggest point to me that if I was going to rag on this match, that it is, yeah, it's not a nearly, a, it's not a tech, a technical match by any means, nor was it meant to be, but they didn't hit, he didn't hit the stunner. Really? How do you not do that? He could have just hit the stunner and then continue to beat him down and say, I don't, this is not what the victory is about for me. The victory is for me to be, you know, I'll send you to the hospital. Uh, So I I just don't understand why he couldn't do the stunner and and at least one make the crowd explode. And he didn't. Uh, I still am peeved to it to this day because seeing stunners are just a a thing of beauty. So uh, this match continues. And, uh, well, let's take a listen to the conclusion of the match if there's really a conclusion because, as you know, this match ended in a a no contest. So... uh, well, let's continue and uh, hear what happens.
0: is at the back of that, that truck like roadkill. I think he's going anywhere he wants right now, JR. He's not driving that truck. He's aiming it. Look. Uh-oh, now what? Rikishi completely out of it from those several tear shots. Rikishi oh. bleeding like a stuck home. Oh, wait a minute, JR. running got to into the... Look at Rikishi. His face a crimson mask. Another tip right to the heart. Rikishi is helpless. What's Austin doing? Oh, no. Come on. This is too much. Oh, no. No, wait on, a minute, Steve. JR, You better... Steve, think about this. Don't do something you your regret for the rest of your life. I've got Rikishi. And the cops! Awesome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so Austin gets uh handcuffed as he tried to literally commit murder, uh homicide and, and and squish Rikishi who's leaning against a pile of rocks with uh with his truck and the Albany Police Force ended up intercepting him and uh Austin sideswipes the vehicle and then you have JR questioning, I don't know if you meant to actually hit him on purpose, although on if you were watching it he, you know, you may not, you may have said that the first try was accidental, obviously with the interception of the police vehicle, but then he backs up and hits the police vehicle again. So, I mean, that's kind of a silly statement. And, uh, you also have, you know, uh, this saying, you know, Mick Foley saying everything's going to be all legal. Well, is it, I mean, you know, <laughs> if you're saying everything's all legal, I guess you could say, well, manslaughter is not. I mean, let's you know be reasonable about what's legal. So, um, but nonetheless, it was. I remember being very pissed at the Albany PD. I was not happy with the Albany PD for many weeks <laughs> because of uh, what they did with Stone Cold, really taking him out of the equation. And I thought there was still hope he could return, and ending up, uh, you know, maybe coming out and and getting himself involved somehow again. It, it just as, a, as an Austin fan, you got trained to always think he's never gone because we've seen him return so many times in, in, in so many different instances, commandeering police vehicles uh, you know, in, in other you know, other vehicles, Zambonis and cement trucks and everything else that you know, ambulances that you thought somehow, some way maybe Stone Cold sh- could show back up. And he didn't. And I was not happy. Again, I, I picked this because I was in person. It was the you know really the height of the attitude era. Austin had just come back from neck surgery, and you wanted to know who beat up Austin or who attacked Austin, and now you want to see Austin get revenge. Um, I guess as I said, some of the drawbacks. Austin didn't get a stunner in. The stunner is a huge part of Stone Cold. He didn't hit a stunner at a pay per view. Why I don't know. Um, and then it got cut short with the Albany PD really just surrounding Austin who. Apparently, we're in uh, just lying in wait for somebody to do something heinous because there was about 12 people, 12 police cars showing up on scene immediately uh, for Austin after he uh, hit the police car. I mean, they were just right there. Uh, But I'm okay with suspending my disbelief. It's totally fine uh, for this segment because it was well worth seeing this event and seeing it in person on October 22nd. I thought it was October 20th. October 22nd, 20, uh, 2000. So quite a event, quite a moment. And there were many, many others after Austin returned that I think supersede this from a championship perspective, from a career standpoint. Uh, I mean, obviously, with the NWO coming in a couple of years after this, I think that was significant. I never I have never done anything with Austin and Scott Hall at WrestleMania eighteen. Um probably because I didn't really it felt as if Austin was an afterthought of that WrestleMania. Uh, maybe I'll do something on that. And you know, this this is not a moment most people talk about. It's not. But the story was great. The story was great. Uh the the, the backstory was something that you don't see. And uh, the intensity of course was off the page. So Guys, I hope you I hope you you know take a moment to watch this. It's it's a nine minute match, and and it's brutal, and it is the story that'll keep you coming back. And so, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know that sometimes I spend too much time rambling about other things other than the actual match itself. I just just how I operate. That's how I my brain is. Uh, that's how my brain works and functions. So to a fault or not, that's kind of what it is. But uh, you know, for just those these few moments, guys, maybe this, these last forty five minutes, you've been able to forget about the world around you. I know I have, and, and and that's what's important right now is to stop feeding in on this this fear and this uh, hysteria that's going on around us. And uh, you know, remember about the things that remember the things we love, and remember the things that we're passionate about. You take some extra time, you know, or take up a hobby, find something new that you like to do, or hell. Even start your own podcast. I know I've encouraged a couple people over the last few weeks to do it. It's uh, if, if anybody wants any kind of um, advice on it, you I mean, I'm fine. I'm not going to charge you for advice. I want other people to take this up. But understand one thing with this. If you do, you have to have patience. You have to have patience in this. Because if you don't and you think you're just going to make a bunch of money right off the bat, you're sadly mistaken. Sadly, uh, I, I've had this podcast, um, uh, for five years, whether it was WWE podcast or another name that I originally started with. I've been podcasting for actually it was February of 2014. Hell six years. Uh, it took me six years to get where I'm at and I'm now starting to make a decent income. I'm not going to give you exact numbers, but, um, a decent income. I, I'll say this. I'm making more than I did at my first job at Hannaford. I will say that. Um, it, it, it's a... It, it's fun. It's it's a labor of love. You know, you have to do a lot for a, a... You have to do a lot and get a little for a long time and be okay with it. And uh, so I encourage anybody to do that. So before we ride off into the sunset, I do have a question that was posed to me via audio and I encourage you guys... Um, over the last few weeks to send in your questions or comments or whatever you want to, to talk about on the show into me via a voicemail because everybody can, you know, everybody has a smartphone. You just create an audio file and send it to me at realwwepodcast at gmail.com, and I will get you on the show with your comment, question, suggestion, rant, whatever it may be. So uh, right now we're going to toss it over to Sharon, who has actually sent in to us before. So let's hear what he has to say, and then I'll be back on the other side with my response.
2: Hey, Matt. So in your last podcast, you talked about uh, Brian Saxton as a manager, heel manager, and I thought that this is a really good idea. There was days that uh, Michael Cole really was a favor uh, to me, and I thought he could be a really good uh, heel manager to me. And I wanted to hear your thoughts about the whole topic of managers in WWE. And why do you think that nowadays there isn't a lot of manager? I mean, there is Paul Eamon and Brooke Lesnar. And uh, that's it. And I think that it is something really good. It can improve uh, new wrestlers. Some legends can come back as a manager. Uh, yeah. Uh, thank you.
1: Hey, so uh, my response to that would be... Um, so. I I was talking about Byron Saxon right in the context of being a heel manager because I think that that's where his strong suit is, and that's not to say that his commentary hasn't improved. it has improved immensely to from where it was when I was completely killing his commentary, and maybe unfairly so given that he was new to the new to the game of announcing um but he shows you. Glimpses of how annoying he can be, and the punchability of his face, and the way he speaks, and just what he can do on the mic. I think he's got more in him than just being an announcer. And I don't know what the plans are for him. I don't know what he aspires to be. I would assume that he's pretty comfy in his role on Raw, being the the uh, one of the co-hosts or co-announcers of Monday Night Raw, being one of the voices of Monday Night Raw on a weekly basis. And he adds a lot to the show. I really think he does because he's the voice of reason. He, he's the he's the babyface announcer. And you have Jerry Lawler always or trying to play the heel. And you have Tom Phillips, the robot, trying to just steer the course and you know, Mr. Neutral. So with Byron Saxton uh, as a heel manager, uh, yes, I would totally still stand by my comments that he should. Uh, who he should manage, I haven't really given it much thought. But... The broader question that you asked about heel managers, why do I think that there's not a lot of heel managers or managers, even babyface managers? Because it's a lost art. It is something that doesn't happen. Uh, and, and you know, I don't know the good reason why. I don't have the answer why. Yes, you have Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar. You have Zelina Vega and Andrade slash Angel Garza, right? But you, you know, Paul Hammond's in a league of his own. It's almost unfair to compare Paul Hammond to anybody. He would say he's an advocate. He's not a manager. He's not a valet. It's all under the same umbrella. You're a manager. So you know, I don't know why. Maybe him, maybe Byron Saxton and The Miz, as you stated, would be a good pairing. I, I could see that. I would like that. I would like Byron Saxton to be the loudmouth mouth. Heel manager, I think he's got a lot of value there. But again, I don't know what the plan is for Byron. And I don't even know if Byron would be interested in that. Uh, because Byron does add value to the commentary desk on a weekly basis. But as a whole, as a whole, the uh, the lost art of managers is a shame because you can do so much with heel managers. as Especially if they can take a bump, Right. If they're not just a, if they're a female manager for a, a, a male counterpart, then it's harder. If you have a male, uh, loud mouth manager for a, a, a heel wrestler, then that that heel manager can be the loudmouth and occasionally take a bump. And I think it's something that WWE should get back to. I think it's something that you could do to establish new stars. And especially for those that may have trouble on the mic. I mean, they did it with Leo Rush and Bobby Lashley because Bobby Lashley is just straight out boring on the mic. At least what we've seen in WWE, he's just just not great. Uh, So we've seen WWE occasionally give this a try. And more often than not, it hasn't worked. Other than Zelina and Andrade, which I'm really liking. I've always loved that pairing. But more often than not, at least from what we've seen in their trial runs over the last... Five years or so, it hasn't really worked well. Even when Paul Heyman was team, remember when he was managing Cesaro? I do. I remember that. And so Brock and Paul Heyman are just peanut butter and jelly together. But yeah, I would love to see it. I want to see that more. I think that that is a lost art that needs to be brought back. So thanks for the question, Sharon. I'd love to hear from you again. And uh, it sounds like you were going somewhere. It sounds like you were walking and talking. So hopefully you got to where you're going safely. And of course, stay healthy and, and all that kind of stuff, especially in, in today's crazy environment. So if you want to be part of the show, just as Sharon was, you can send your voicemail to real WWE podcast at gmail.com and you can get your uh, yourself on the show just as he did. And, and I'd love to hear from, from more people. So uh, guys, thank you so much as always for joining. You can hit me up on Twitter at the real or at the WWE podcast. And you can also head on over to the website at WWE and You can uh, hear this show seven times a week because we've got two more shows coming to you tomorrow. I said two AEW NXT review with a new NXT host, Uh, a brand new NXT host coming your way. Um, I I am very excited to bring him to you. I think you'll enjoy him. He's a a familiar face or voice. I shouldn't say face because obviously we don't do video here yet. So, then on uh, Saturday or Sunday is your week in review. So we've still got three more shows to go, and it's it's Wednesday. So a big week on the way. We're going to continue to make coverage here. And, and also, don't forget, WWE made the announcement that WrestleMania is going to be a two-day event. Alle effing Luya. Because I don't need to see a six-hour WWE event in front of no one at one time. At least split it up. Plus, it makes it basically WrestleMania weekend, a true WrestleMania weekend. WrestleMania access ain't going to happen. I mean, that's the whole point is bringing people together. That's gone. So uh, bringing people to, or, or, or making it a two-day event, I think, is a could be a blessing in disguise because we've always wondered if WWE should do this. So if this is a rousing success, in spite of the fans not being there, maybe this is a formula WWE moves to is a two-day event. Maybe I mean I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I mean it's it's a trial run that has been just uh, thrown in their lap that they can use as an opportunity, and and I'm all for it. I'm all for a two day event because then even after the first day, you're like, oh, that was great. It doesn't feel you leaving. It doesn't leave you feeling exhausted. It leaves you possibly feeling like you're wanting more and you can't wait for tomorrow to see what tomorrow brings. It's I I I think it's a brilliant idea than just a marathon. So. I'm all for it. I know some of you have already kind of poo pooed on it. Give it a chance. I'm all I'm all for two days of WrestleMania. Regardless, I mean, yeah, the no fans there sucks and sucks big time. But if they're able to string this in two days and throw some kind of creative way to to somehow have people sitting in the audience somehow with keeping in compliance with CDC code and all that, hey, I'm all for it. So, alrighty, well. Thank you so much, guys, for being on the, or listening to the show because you're why I'm here. Making it a success is because of you. And I'll be back this weekend with your weekend review with my co-host, Mary Grader. And, of course, AEW and NXT reviews come to you the next day or so. With all that being said, guys, go do something fun. If it's listening to this show, if it's outside, whatever it may be, get your mind out of uh, off of the virus if you can stop watching the news for a while. It just is a cycle that just doesn't make you feel good. It does. It's changing by the hour. The numbers aren't going to get better. Things aren't going to get better for probably a little while. So just do something else that is, that doesn't rent space in your brain, uh, that, uh, just ends up kind of corroding it. Right. So, okay. Thank you so much guys. As always talk to you next time.